On today's list of topics, we've got solar-powered refrigerators, plastic bags, and baby elephants. Thanks for tuning in to the very first episode of my podcast. I'm Valentina, and welcome to another day in my life without plastic. I'm officially a podcaster now, yay! But there are a lot of responsibilities that come with that. First and foremost, I had to decide on a very important question. What's the tea today? And I'm talking about real tea. I'm obsessed with loose leaf tea because I like my tea dark and bitter, like my soul. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm a very positive person, but I do like some strong tea. So for today's episode, since it's so special because it's my first one, I've got a special tea. It's an original tea straight from Marie Antoinette's garden in Versailles. I got it during my last trip there and I've only been drinking it on special occasions. So I guess today's the day. If you're watching me on YouTube right now, you're about to enjoy some really nice clips of the tea. And if you're tuning in from another platform, make sure to check out my blog. Anything I reference visually will be on my blog as well, so you can catch up there. So the brand of this tea is Ninas of Paris, and they're actually the only brand that has tea from the gardens in Versailles. This is a pretty strong black tea, but it's still very delicate because it's scented with delicious fresh apples and roses. The apples the tea is flavored with are actually exclusively grown at the basically what they call kitchen garden of the king in in Versailles. And I guess it's a pretty bougie tea. It goes for $23.49 US dollars on Amazon. But again, uh, for me, this is a special occasion. So this is a special tea. But enough about the tea of the day. I kept on thinking a lot about what my first episode should be because I just have so many different ideas that I want to share with you all. But in the end, I wanted the very first episode to represent my overall goal of the podcast. And this is why today we'll be going over some good news about the environment from the past month. Also stay tuned because at the end of each episode, I want to share with you an eco-friendly product and just give you my honest opinion if it's worth getting. Anyway, today's episode was inspired by my experience during quarantine. No surprise there. I just feel like we're constantly bombarded by so much negativity and I really wanted to start on a good note here. And don't get me wrong, I completely understand the power of shocking bad news. When you see a cute little baby turtle suffering with a plastic straw stuck in its head, it does get the message across. But what this also does is it makes people panic. It makes people feel hopeless. It doesn't really give anyone any clear solution. And you may be thinking, but Val, the message there is clear. Get rid of the damn straws. Well, unfortunately, the problem goes so much deeper. For starters, in order for something to become a normal part of our routines, we need it to be convenient for us. Otherwise, we would try sticking with it for a while and get tired of it eventually. A lot of people don't like going out of their way and putting in the extra effort. And who are we to judge? Everyone has a different living situation and priorities, and we need to respect it. People come from all walks of life and are exposed to different opportunities. That being said, I really don't think that it's hard to find a middle ground. 
People can have conflicting opinions about different environmental issues, but there is always a middle ground where everyone can agree on certain things. And I really want to explore this middle ground with you. I want to provide a platform where I can talk about opposing views and try to bring clarity to some issues. I want to challenge you, whatever your opinion on those issues may be. I want you to question if the eco-friendly tips you see online are actually good for the environment. I want you to keep an open mind and try to understand why people have different views on big environmental issues. And once we get there and start being understanding, instead of simply judging people for not agreeing with us, once we challenge our own views and ask ourselves why we think the way we do, this is when we can start moving closer to the middle ground and finding actual effective solutions. I want this podcast to be a positive place for people to learn more about sustainability in a not-so-scientific way, but a more personal way. What actions can you take today to make your lifestyle more eco-friendly without making it an inconvenience? I'm inviting you to follow my life and my journey of ditching plastic and making conscious choices every day that bring me a step closer to living more sustainably. And this journey is not going to be a straightforward one. There's a bumpy road ahead with a lot of challenges and failures. It's not perfect. When I first decided to consciously begin saying no to plastic in my life, it's almost as if some glass shattered in my brain and all of a sudden I was noticing twice the amount of plastic than before. I had to learn that there are times that I cannot say no to plastic and I cannot force others to join this journey. It's a personal choice, one that every person has to make for themselves and adjust to their own living situation. But it is possible for everyone to participate in it. I'm a strong believer that it's 100% better to have thousands of people contributing with small changes than just a select few who do this perfectly. This is not a competition. Please remember that. We are not competing to see who is the most sustainable human being on the planet. It's about all of us making small changes that collectively have big impacts. So, let's start on a positive note. For today's episode, I did some research on good news from the past month. By the way, this is something that I want to do at the beginning of every month. I really want to welcome each month with positive energy. So let's dive right into the very first headline. Nigerian entrepreneur invents giant solar-powered refrigerators to cut spoilage to help farmers earn 25% more. This is actually one of my favorite things I've read in a long time. I love finding out about new social enterprises. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically businesses that focus their business model around empowering and bettering the lives in a community. And this is exactly what this is. Naimeka Ikeguanu, his inventor, he created what he calls cold hubs, which are essentially cold storage rooms that are solar powered. And this is a huge um, innovation, especially for the farmers and fishermen who live in rural communities of Nigeria. It solves two great problems. So first, let's talk about the environment. Food waste is an enormous issue that honestly deserves an episode on its own. 
Um, it's a global issue. It happens in every single country around the world. And an estimate of 1.3 billion tons of food. Yes, we're talking about billion tons of food, which is roughly around 30% of global production. So that means that about 30% of all food produced is either lost or wasted annually in the entire world. In rural Nigeria specifically, there are about 6,000 tons of fish harvested every day. Okay, so 6,000 tons of fish every single day, out of which only about 2,000 are sold fresh. The rest are simply going to waste. They're getting spoiled. The story is the same for fruits and vegetables, which on average can survive a maximum of only two days in the West African nation's heat and humidity. Designed specifically for off-grid areas, cold hubs employ rooftop solar panels to generate enough electricity to power the units in all weather conditions, while providing reliable 24-7 autonomous refrigeration. This cuts down on spoilage, but also leads to much higher profit. Which, of course, brings me to the second benefit of this invention. Farmers and fishermen can actually earn more money. Uh, Cold Hubs currently serves 3,517 farmers and fishermen. The company has so far installed 24 hubs, which I think it's incredible that only 24 of those storage rooms, basically, serve over 3,000 farmers and fishermen. This is just incredible. And they're saving right now over 20,000 tons of food from spoilage and also employing 48 women to service the refrigerators. I think that they're tackling several pretty big issues um, with one simple invention, which I really, really love. Um, it's not free. That's one thing that we have to keep in mind. This is not a not-for-profit company. It's a social enterprise, so it's not free. However, I think that the way it's set up, it's pretty good. At a rental cost of $1 a day on a pay-as-you-go subscription model, users can increase their income by being able to sell more fresh food. Cold hub fridges can expand the life of fruits and vegetables from 2 to 21 days. This increases vendor and farmer's profits by 25% on average. So I looked it up and it seems like the minimum wage in Nigeria is around 77 US dollars. And that means that if farmers rent the cold hubs every single day of the month, the rent price would be equivalent to close to half of the minimum salary there. But a bag of fresh fish should in theory go between 20 and 40 US dollars in that region. And without storage facilities, farmers sell the same bag for much less to avoid spoilage. They just want to sell it, get rid of it so, they, so the food doesn't get spoiled. They want to make just some money off of it. So that means that cold hubs obviously cost significant money for people who live in rural Nigeria. Again, it's not free. But they can be more confident in selling their products for a fair price because they know the food won't get spoiled that easily. And they can increase their profits in the long run. Overall, I think it's an amazing concept and I really hope to see this grow and help more rural communities around the world. Okay, next on the list is something that is not entirely related to the environment. But it does involve ocean and marine life, and I just couldn't help myself. I had to share it. Here it goes. The headline reads, 
Two beluga whales are free for the first time since 2011 with a new life on the Atlantic coast. I just think that this is the most heartwarming thing I've read all month long. And I really had to include it in my podcast. I mean, what better way to start on a positive note if not seeing how two whales who lived in captivity are finally free? So the article says, Two captive belugas were given the chance of a better life when they were relocated from China to a new sanctuary in Iceland. The 11-year-olds, known as Little Grey and Little White, my god, their names are just so adorable. Little Grey and Little White, they're huge, but they're so cute. Um, they had spent seven years performing for audiences at Chongfeng Ocean World in Shanghai. But in 2019, thanks to the British charity Sea Life Trust, they were freed and transported 6,000 miles around the world. 30 hours by air, land, and sea to reach the world's first retirement home for oceanic animal performers. This just, I mean, I have to discuss this on several levels. Can I just say there are people who have never or actually will never in their entire lives fly 6,000 miles. And these two whales are just such rock stars. Also, they call the sanctuary a retirement home. Isn't that just the cutest thing ever? I mean, they're retiring. (laughs) A very well-deserved retirement after what they've been through. I was literally sobbing while reading this. It's just so cute. Um, And okay, so it says over the past year, the female pair has been cared for inside specialized pools on Heimea. Hey, oh my God, this Icelandic names. Heimai. Heimai Island, something like that, whatever, some Icelandic island, Heimai, Heimai Island. Anyway, now they've been, um, now they've made another big transition. On August 8th, Little Grey and Little White were moved to the open water section of the Beluga Sanctuary in Kletsvik Bay. It's the first time in 11 years that the Belugas have swam in the ocean. Kathy Williamson, who runs the Ant Captivity Program at Whale and Dolphin Conservation, told China Daily, the world's first whale sanctuary represents a pathway to the end of the keeping of whales and dolphins confined for entertainment. We are proud to be partner of this important project that will improve welfare for these belugas and show the world that there is an alternative to whale and dolphin captivity. Okay, and this is really cute. Now that they're in their new homes, these two belugas have been showing off their personalities. (laughs) Isn't that adorable? According to the Sea Life Trust team, Little Grey is a very playful whale. She is always curious and willing to learn new things. She also has a mischievous side to her personality and likes to spit water at the animal care team. (laughs) I mean, yeah, um... I don't know if I can call it curiosity or maybe she's just so done with humans that maybe that's the reason she spits at them. (laughs) As far as um, Little White, she's a little shy, but she still likes to play and forms close bonds with her handlers. If they adapt to their new home, they could enjoy several more decades of life in a natural habitat. 
and the sanctuary hopes to welcome other retiring aquatic performers in the future. I mean, this is again one of the most heartwarming articles. Um, <laughs> I know this doesn't solve the issue we have with the environment, but my god, is this adorable. I feel so bad for all of the animals we have in captivity, for the simple purposes of entertainment. I mean, if anything, this quarantine has shown us how bad it is to just be stuck in one place without the chance to go out. Again, this is also a topic that deserves an entire episode on its own, so I'm not going to go into much details here, but this is, this is the article that truly made me smile this month. So, I hope it makes you smile too. Okay, let's see what else we have on the list. Let's go back to the environmental articles. I saw something that sounds good and promising, but obviously, um, I want you to keep an open mind here, right? Um, the headline reads, The world's most valuable company vows to be 100% carbon neutral for its supply chain and product life cycle by 2030. And we're talking about Apple. That's the company that's mentioned in this article. So Apple last month unveiled its plan to become carbon neutral across its entire business, manufacturing supply chain and product life cycle for all of its devices by 2030. The world's most valuable company is already carbon neutral today for its global corporate operations. And this new commitment means that by 2030, every Apple device sold will have net zero climate impact. Now, let's see what exactly they're talking about. Businesses have a profound opportunity to help build a more sustainable future, one born of our common concern for the planet we share said Tim Cook, Apple's CEO. The innovations powered our environmental journey are not only good for the planet, they've helped us make our products more energy efficient and bring new sources of clean energy online around the world. Climate action can be the foundation of a new era of innovative potential, job creation, and durable economic growth. With our commitment to carbon neutrality, we hope to be ripple in the pond that creates a much larger change. Again, this is what um, Tim Cook said. Now, Apple's 2020 Environmental Progress Report, which was actually released on July 21st, um, it details its plans to reduce emission by 75%. Okay, so they're planning to reduce emission by 75% by 2030 while developing innovative carbon removal solutions for the remaining 25% of its comprehensive footprint. This is really important to understand. When a company promises to be carbon neutral, it doesn't mean that they will have no carbon emission at all. This is very important to keep in mind when you read articles like that. I'm always conflicted. I don't really know how to feel about all these big companies announcing these things because, you know, on the one hand, I love that they're giving the issue more exposure. I love that they're presenting some plans and so on. But then again, on the other hand, I feel like some companies feel forced to participate in this so-called green wave. Um, 
just so they can satisfy their customers' values and say, you know, hey, we're doing something. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think that everyone needs to judge things on a case-by-case basis and see if the pros outweigh the cons. Um, In this specific case, Apple promises to reduce its emission by 75%, which again, it's huge. I mean, even that is already an amazing big step for the environment. Um, But as far as the remaining 25%, what it basically means is those 25% will be balanced out by funding an equivalent amount of carbon savings elsewhere in the world. So they're still producing, they, they still have carbon emissions. They just balanced them out by funding another program that would reduce 25% someplace else, right? So that's why it equals out technically um, and brings them to be carbon neutral. So when a company says they are carbon neutral, it doesn't mean that they have cut 100% of all their emissions. This is something that um, it, like, it's, it's kind of sounds misleading. When people hear carbon neutral, they really think, oh my God, like, they're not going to be producing any carbon emission. And that's not the case. So definitely there are positive things about it. Um, but people just have to know the straight facts and understand how exactly it works. Apple's 10-year climate roadmap will lower emissions by continuing to increase the use of low carbon and recycled materials in its products. Innovate its product recycling and design products to be as energy efficient as possible. I mean, look, this is, again, great news. It's amazing that Apple shows that it cares. I really hope that it's, you know, that it's as sincere as it can be. I hope they don't only make it look good, but they actually want to do good. And I also hope that, you know, they tackle not only the environmental issue, but, you know, hopefully the starting pay of workers at the world's largest iPhone factory in China will be more than $3.15 an hour because that's also an issue that they're having and facing daily. Um, So hopefully this plan works out. Apple, we will keep you accountable for your promises. So we're going to make sure you keep them. But you know what? Let's move on. Uh, I think this is enough about, you know, carbon neutrality and Apple. Um, I don't really want to spend more time talking about them. I want to focus on other things that uh, have shown to already be effective. And I've got two more articles left. This next one is very near and dear to my heart because it's about reducing plastic. And, you know, I am welcoming you to my life without plastic. Or at least my attempts to ditch plastic on a daily basis. So here we go. 5 cent tax successfully reduced plastic bag use in England by as much as 95% over 5 years. This is what the headline reads and I mean, I was really excited to share this one with you. Single-use plastic sales in England have fallen dramatically since a 5 cent charge on each bag was instituted in October of 2015 in supermarkets and department stores. Overall, plastic shopping bag use has fallen by 95% in England's main supermarket. I think this is just so funny. I mean, (laughs) I don't know where in the world you live. I grew up in Germany and we pretty much 
always brought our own bags to the supermarket because they charge you for the bags they have there. And it's funny, it's just so funny to me that here in Miami, when you go to a supermarket, they would literally triple bag some items. And, you know, or sometimes they would just put two things in one small plastic bag instead of filling it up. And you can literally walk out of the supermarket with no less than 30 plastic bags. But as soon as they're like, the plastic bag is five cents or it's 10 cents, people are like, oh no, I can't pay for that. It's such a waste of money. Um, But you know, usually the bags they give you for that price are actually sturdier plastic bags. Those are the ones that you can pretty much technically reuse multiple times. They're not those tiny, flimsy, see-through ones. And yet somehow the human brain doesn't let us pay the extra five cents. But if it's free, we don't care. Anyway, statistics from the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs determined that plastic bag use shot up in 2014 as consumers used an average of 140 per year. Again, this is in England accounting for 61,000 metric tons of plastic. 61,000 tons of plastic. After taking action to curb the rise by charging 5 cents, widespread use has plummeted. Just 4 bags per customer in the recent year. Wow, from 140 per year down to 4. This is just incredible. The 5 cent tax applies to unused and unsold plastic bags as well. So it's not just, you know, like I'm going to explain this in a little bit. But so basically it's making retailers pay closer attention to how many they order, which in turn leads to less manufacturing and less waste in the supply chain um, in addition to demand, right? So what does that mean? Um, It means that not only do people pay for plastic bags, but stores are also taxed on the amount of leftover unused plastic bags, which is pretty much a bigger incentive for them to order less bags to begin with. This law basically tackles the problem on both sides, demand and manufacturing. I really think that plastic bag pollution is one of the easiest problems we can solve. I mean, it doesn't bother anyone to have an extra bag laying around in the car And it certainly shouldn't bother stores to get rid of plastic bags and only offer paid alternatives for people who forget theirs. All right, we're finally at the finish line of the first episode. And here is the last article. I just, I had to save it for last. There's an elephant baby boom in Kenya. Thanks to rainfall, a record number born, including rare twins. I mean... (laughs) Of course, um, this is, again, not so closely related to the environment. But who can resist baby elephants? Also, the article is saying the rainfall helps. So I guess Mother Nature did her part in this too. Anyway, like I just found it appropriate to include it. It's just such an adorable article. The combination of interruptions in international travel and periods of heavy rainfall has led to Kenyan wildlife officials reporting a recent elephant baby boom. In Kenya's Amboseli National Park, 140 elephants were born in a single calving season, a record in this park known for its breathtaking views of Kilimanjaro and the savanna. Here's what they say. 
It has been a difficult year for all of us, but there is still much to celebrate, said Winnie Kiru, speaking for the Elephant Protection Initiative, in a statement. Here in Amboseli, elephants are thriving. 140 beautiful calves have been born in 2020 and more are expected. The Kenya Wildlife Service reported on Wednesday that from 1989 to today, the nation's elephant population has more than doubled. This is in part because authorities in the past couple of years have managed to tame poaching in the country, reports Tourism and Wildlife Minister Najib Balala. Okay, so how does the rain help though? Alright, okay, here it is. Um, so basically, whenever there's less rain during the year, female elephants often can't find enough food to supply their babies with milk. So even if they live in the park, they compared uh, a park the size of Yellowstone, even then they can't find enough food uh, because it's just too dry. But the rains this year have brought so much vegetation, there's been no problem supporting the newborns, even twins, as they begin their journey through life. Cynthia Moss, director of the Mboseli Trust for Elephants, told AA News this week, It seems baby elephants are falling out of the sky. The ability of a female to conceive and carry a calf to term depends greatly on her own physical condition. I mean, isn't that cute? Just imagine baby elephants falling out of the sky. <laughs> I think baby elephants are adorable. They're just so big, but they're babies. I'm really happy with this news. Uh, I hope it makes you happy too. I mean, I'm glad to see that elephants are thriving, more babies are born, and they just live in the environment that they deserve, you know? Okay. Well, I guess this final article, those cute little baby elephants, that concludes um, the five articles I picked and I guess my good news episode this month. Make sure to check out my blog post for this episode and see the cute whales, the cute baby elephants. Of course, all of the other articles too. <laughs> They're all there. You can reference them. You can check out the images I've put. Um, but before I let you go, in the beginning of this episode, I promised you to share a sustainable product that I use or that I've tried and to give you my honest opinion. Again, this is something that I would like to do every episode just so I can incorporate showing you guys some alternatives and really giving you my honest opinion if it's worth paying the money for it or if you just should stay away from it. And I think today it's only appropriate to talk about loose leaf tea. I mean, I raved about it so much in the beginning of the episode. Um, but I also want to tell you this also applies to coffee. Now, I'm talking about tea because I love tea, but the same thing applies to coffee. And I mean... I don't need to make this long. You already know I'm obsessed with it. So you already know I recommend it. <laughs> but loose leaf tea has been the perfect alternative for me to reduce waste. Tea bags in general are not biodegradable. And even if some companies claim they are, it's not quite true. All tea bags contain some plastic components. Uh, maybe it's only... 20% or less, but there's still plastic components there and those can't biodegrade. 
Um, and, you know, like they end up polluting, you know, like you throw them out. Sometimes they end up in the water channels, they end up in the oceans. So they can definitely become polluters, especially in places where more tea is consumed. Um, and if it's consumed through tea bags. But tea on its own can definitely be uh, composted. So tea itself is biodegradable. Of course it is. It's a natural thing. Um, and this is why I switched to loose leaf tea. I just buy it in a cardboard packaging that I can recycle and I enjoy my tea guilt-free. And the same goes for coffee. I know some people are very picky with the coffee they drink, but obviously, um, you know, the coffee that comes in those capsules, whichever brand you pick, that's all plastic. A good alternative is to see if you have a more sustainable shop nearby. Um, here in Miami, for example, we have a shop called Verde and you can bring your own container, like a glass jar, and just fill it up. Uh, this would be your closest bet to getting your coffee with minimal packaging and waste. And I think there's places like Whole Foods that maybe do the same thing. Well, anyway, enough for today. You know, I love loose leaf tea. If you can do this for your life, if you can switch to either minimal packaging coffee or tea, if you love tea like me, I think that's a great bet. I think it's a great alternative. It doesn't really cost any you know, complications for your life. It's not like it's an inconvenience. It's the same damn thing. Like you just, you know, you're going to drink it. It's going to taste probably even better because you can control how strong it is. Well, I guess this is all for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope this episode made you smile and made you more open to receiving good news and being hopeful for the future. Um, definitely stay tuned for my next episode next Tuesday where I'll be spilling the conspiracy tea. <laughs> we'll talk about vegan versus farm food. Which one's better for the environment truly? Should you be vegan? Should you eat meat? Am I vegan? Am I eating meat? I'll share with you the roller coaster of emotions I've been through while making up my mind and finding what's true for myself. So... I'll see you then. Bye.